Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. And today we're going to be talking about Atlas Shrug because today is, in fact, Atlas Shrug Day, September 2nd. Why that is, my co-host will remind us in a moment. Uh, please leave a like. Uh, you send over your super chats with some of your uh, favorite scenes from Atlas Shrugged or just to show your support and hit that join button to become a member of the channel. All right. Uh, please welcome not only uh, Nico Sotirakapoulos, but also his trainer, Bob, uh, who is, in fact, seems to be a big fan of Atlas Shrugged as well. Welcome to yeah, the show. Bob is my training partner. Those of you who follow me on Instagram know him. So in honor of Bob today, let's make the Super Chat rain. So 2nd of September is an important day. It's the day that is uh, important things happen during the book. And this is why September 2nd is considered International Atlas Shrugged Day from Ayn Rand's fans. So we're going to talk about three favorite scenes, what we got out of them. So let's start with Raga. What is your favorite scene from the book? All right. Well, uh, we'll start with one that uh, always struck me. Um, so when now we're going to have spoilers, I don't think we could do this without spoilers. So if you have not read Atlas Shrugged, pause the show, go read Atlas Shrugged and then come back <laughs> and hit play. All right. Uh, so when uh, Reardon is on trial, um, and he, he responds to the allegations by saying like, I will not like, uh, obviously paraphrasing very liberally here, but like, I will not, uh, like, I will not comply with a society of cannibals, or I don't believe I'm living in a society of cannibals, something like that, using the imagery of cannibal cannibalism. To me, it was just such a moment of clarity. Like things just clicked suddenly, like, yes, like when people talk about the welfare state, when people talk about you know, that it's your duty to sacrifice yourself to others. When people talk about co how communism is benevolent, right? And capitalism is treacherous. The, but just the, this imagery of cannibals to me is just so powerful. It just kind of essentializes what it is that these people are actually advocating for when they let altruism lead the way. Um, so yes, cannibalism is a powerful um, it, uh, metaphor. And when Reardon used it in his, in his trial, it, it was a life-changing moment for me. So there's item number one for me. Okay. Item number one for me. So they're not in particular order. They're just three things that I like. Yesterday, we talked about indulging in luxuries. And sometimes this is a selfish gift that you give to yourself. And I spoke about the importance of indulging with someone you love. And love is exception-making. You do things that you otherwise wouldn't do. So I want to talk about this scene where Dagny and Hank get on a ride with Hank's cool car. They go out of the city and they go somewhere, which is a place which is a bit hidden, a place that some people go because they want to feel the luxury, but also people who can appreciate the beautiful things in life go there to find some privacy and enjoy aesthetic things. And there's some interesting dialogues there. Hank tells Dagny that when I was young, and when I was in the mines and when I was working two jobs, in some way I was doing it because I wanted the night like this. I didn't want, I didn't have it in this way in my mind. And I didn't do, I didn't work so that I could come here with you. But in some way, I wanted to reach the life that would bring me here today, me being with you. It's also the scene a bit earlier when he gives her an expensive gift. And there's all these discussions. He says, I don't need it. And he says, I know that you don't need it, but you need it. I want you to need it from me. And she says, yes, I want to need it from you. So in a way, Hang is objective, quote, objectifying Dagny, but in the most 
precious way that she wants to be, quote, objectified as the object of his love, the object of his passion. And also in that scene, there's that line that only Ayn Rand could perceive where they are having a discussion which, which is summed up to Hank rises in the mind of Dagny, rises in the estimate of Dagny when he fell in love with her. So usually when someone falls in love with us, we feel better about ourselves. But Dagny says for people with high self-esteem, it's the opposite. I appreciate you because you like me so much. It shows that you have taste. It shows that you have a good understanding of what love is. So the fact that you fell for me, says Dagny to Hank, puts you on a higher estimate in my estimation uh, uh, axis or climax. So this is a this goes against every this goes against every uh, how to put it stereotype in terms of how people understand love. And again, this is something that only Ayn Rand could have written. So this is my first scene, the indulging uh, night out between Hank and Dagny. Yeah, and this is a good time to remind the reader, you know, read with caution and proceed with caution. You know, sometimes uh, dialogue that works in literature or uh, certain things that certain impeccable characters might do or say works for them. But if you start speaking this way in real life, it might be taken the wrong way. And also you might not re be ready to say it. You know, are you are you are you so integrated and whole that you're ready to just uh, to, to turn it basically into Donald Trump where anyone who compliments you? must be good and anyone who dislikes you must be bad. Do you really want to go through life that way at this point? That's not that's not a winning strategy. But however, literarily, it, it is beautiful and it really works. Uh, Jonathan Honig sends over $4.99 in the Super Chat. Thank you for supporting the network. And Francis, a new member who, I don't know, sent over 50 try, T-R-Y. Do you know what that is? Is that Turkish or, uh, or Whatever um, Taiwanese? It is. Thank you, Francis, and uh, welcome to the team. And I want to know what kind Bob of currency that says, is. Thank you. It's a Turkish lira, uh, says the okay. producer. All right. Well, uh, good time to leave Turkey, I'm wondering. Or do we all need to move there and spread the right ideas? That's the question. Uh, Francis says in the super chat, for quote, for 12 years, you have been asking, who is John Galt? This is John Galt speaking. I am the man who loves his life, end quote goosebumps no i'm sorry that's from atlas shrug that is not from goosebumps but uh thank you for the super chat roland with 499 euros says my favorite quote quote wasn't it evil to wish without moving or to move without aim by the way uh nikos have you read goosebumps uh, i've read uh, one or two from goosebumps they were in fashion in greece in the mid 90s they literally gave me too much goosebumps, so I don't think I went beyond the first two I read. I mean, the one was so creepy, I still remember it. I'm trying to forget it. Which one? This where they have this dinner, which is the anniversary when they murdered the father. And then the... Anyway, Zizek also talks about that. That is very Freudian, but we can, we can discuss this another day. Zizek talks about goosebumps? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, Zizek okay. talks All about right. everything, including Atlas Shrugged. Uh, Zizek is one of the people of the left who really understands Atlas Shrugged in a in a in a good way. In a he gets he gets what the book is about. 
Okay, well, I'm less surprised that he would acknowledge Atlas Shrugged, a little bit more surprised that you've even heard of Goosebumps, but I guess it's like the song goes, we are all living in America. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right, uh, back to the list. So you just gave yours. Was that even one scene or was that like basically uh, a number of items? It's one scene, but during the scene, there's a flashback by Hank, but it's, mm -hmm. it's one scene. Okay, and quick super chat from Jonathan with 499. He says, if any part of your uncertainty is a conflict, between your heart and your mind, follow your mind. And that's from Atlas Shrugged. Apollo Zeus with two pounds says, for Nikos to deliver a combination to Bob, on Bob. All right, do it. I'll have to turn my back to you, so no. Today, no combinations. Nope. Today, Bob is part of the team. We don't pass each team. other during shows. Not during the show. No, not with uh, that. Having said that, it's I paid a lot of money to buy Bob. I paid even more money to send him to Greece. Particularly because I happened to buy him some months before the lockdown. It's one of the best things I've ever bought. Particularly if you're into precision strikes, open palm strikes, kicks. You can roll with him because this part can come out. So it's one of the best things I've ever bought. So joking aside, this is a great instrument of uh, training. Yeah. Um, back to the list of scene so the last one i told was positive you know reardon uh you know speaking up during his trial now here's kind of uh, so here's another scene uh robert stadler's death yo so i mean of course it's all positive but this is more of a negative this is like watching evil crumble um as opposed to watching the good flourish so the death of stadler yeah, i guess uh the project x device basically wipes out like a whole number of miles it takes it, it wipes out a whole geographic region and for a moment uh when stadler is in dust form his consciousness is still there for us for a second and um a bit of a literary gift he's given i don't think in real life uh you would still be conscious when you've been um eviscerated but uh there's just this like amazing amazingly uh, uh poetic whatever the word is this this literary moment where like something the author says something like a once great mind like took that's, its final. That's the line I'm trying to. That's the line I'm trying to find. This is yeah. such a brilliant line. Mm -hmm. It's the end of a chapter, so yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. Uh, wonderful and uh, gripping, and like so many scenes in Atlas Shrugged, it is uh, startling and important. So that's mine. Uh, do you okay. want to keep keep searching, or do you want to? No, give I'll us go. I'll jump to my to my uh, to my second. Uh, scene it's not one scene it's two scenes that are very similar and it's hank sorry francisco carrying himself in parties in hank reardon's party and in uh, james taggart's wedding hank reardon's anniversary party perhaps is my favorite scene throughout the book two reasons the grandeur of the party how outside the wind blows and he contemplates that there's this nature out there, but I have defeated this nature. I have tropical flowers and half-naked women, and obviously men, not half-naked, but and men in the building. And Francisco helps him to understand this. Sometimes it reminds me of my young years when you know, everyone was rich in Greece and we had these beautiful parties. So his soul is lonely, and there's this contradiction, the beautiful party and Hank's soul that is lonely. And Francisco comes at that moment and throws him like a, a life jacket, a spiritual life jacket 
a life jacket of someone who understands him. And he does it in a way which is very, very, very uh, respectful. And he has heard so many things about Francisco and yet Francisco is quite, uh, is quite different. And the other scene is Francisco carrying himself in James Taggart's wedding. He's weak, he's back and forth from the ridiculous uh, people, the quote intellectuals who are there. That line where that lady asks him, Senor Dancone, what is going to happen in the world? And he says something like exactly what it deserves. And she says, oh, how cruel. So it's, and of course, then is when he gives his uh, money speech. So this is how life should be. And as Ron says, almost everyone in the party wears nice suits, but it's only Francisco who does not embarrass the suits that he's wearing. So celebrations are those for those who have something to celebrate. So our heroes get a glimpse of how life should be, how life should be for them and not for, for all the horrible people who surround them. Why horrible? Because literally they want to destroy them. So the worst enemies of Hank are in these parties and he still hasn't got the self-esteem to tell them some very bad words. Yeah, if I- The comments here, uh, it's, uh... Oh yeah, doing? yeah. So our great producer gave us the, the quote from uh, the chapter, uh, the, the quote on uh, Stadler's demise. Yeah, I'll read it in a moment. But yeah, I recall uh, if it's the same scene, uh, the, the people are talking, they're saying at this party, the era of, of money is over. Like the era of money is behind us and we're going to usher in a new era, an era of, and then they hear a voice saying- The aristocracy of- Pull. Pull. No, it's pull, not pool. Pool okay, is pull. is a game, is a game. They. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's the um, end of the chapter from my last item. The producer sent it to us. Quote, on the site of what had once been Project X, nothing remained alive among the ruins except for some endless minutes longer, a huddle of torn flesh and screaming pain that had once been a great mind. Where are the people who say that Rand uh, is, is not a great writer? Like, oh, okay, you know, so, but he doesn't really know how to write. Seriously? These lines are very difficult, not very difficult. These lines are unique. The, the way she captures the characters, their feelings, the moment is unique. So even if you don't like the ideas, I think you will enjoy Atlas Rand as a work of fiction. You asked, uh, where are the people who think Rand is not a great writer? And Christopher in the chat said, reading Goosebumps. I think he was, <laughs> I think he was answering you. Um, okay, uh, you just went, right? So it's my turn again? Yep. So, when, uh, so here's another positive one. Uh, when Dagny is in the Valley for the first time and she's kind of taking the tour and meeting people there and she sees a couple of kids and the way the author describes them, like they have a look on their face like they had never realized they were lied to. Kind of, I think, in, uh, implying that most of us living in the world as it is, at a certain point in childhood, we kind of realize the adults around us are compromised and that they have not given us the full truth and they have lied to us in some way or another. And um, these kids are un in the novel, are in the valley, are uncorrupted. So that, uh, that stuck with me. I thought that was quite remarkable. Definitely. And so now I have to go with my third scene. The third scene is our first introduction face to face with Ragnar the pirate. So the context is that Philadelphia is 
probably based what what many American cities are today, which is a very dangerous place. Hank Renner has left his house. He walks, he has a pistol in his pocket. And as he walks in an empty street, outside on the outskirts of town, he sees he sees from far away a guy getting out from the darkness and standing in front of him. And instinctively he goes for his gun, but then he said, this guy is probably not a thief because of the way he carries himself. So again, what a first introduction. And of course, this person who comes out of the shadows is Ragnar, someone who lives, quote, in the shadows, who is a pirate. And here, in order to do an act of a virtue, an act of justice, to give Hank what is owed to him, he has to do it on the dark. After that is when he gives him the story of how his biggest enemy is Robin Hood. Not Robin Hood as he might have been in real life, which is taking money from the tax collector and giving it to those who, who were looted, but taking from, quote, the rich to give, quote, to the poor. And Ragnar says, this is, this is the enemy that, this is the, this is the idea that I want to wipe off from, uh, from the world. And then also we have the brilliant scene when the police officers arrive asking Hank, hey, have you, we're looking for a pirate. Have you seen him? And he says, no, this guy is my bodyguard. And then Ragnar says, you were right, Mr. Redden. I am your bodyguard. Here still mm -hmm. we meet again. What yeah. a great uh, scene. Ragnar, be, again, character larger than life, the philosopher pirate or pirate slash philosophy, and also with a very hot wife, Kay Ladlow. So yay for Ragnar. He, he, uh, he's killing the game. Um, yeah, so that, th those are three items we both gave. I guess I'll uh, sort of mention this as a, a theme or a reoccurring kind of scene. And so at the very end, of course, um, Eddie Willers won't give up. He's trying to work this uh, train and he has no idea how, but he just won't give up. He just wants to get this train to the destination, even though even, even if he is able to do that, God knows what's waiting at the end of that uh, journey. Um, and, it, and also uh, at one point in the middle of the novel, uh, when people in the Midwest or somewhere in the middle of America are they're they're trying to sell their crops. And I, it, was it that the train wasn't coming to pick it up because the trains are on, you know, have been retasked for some government. They were project. retasked for the soybeans project of Kipmap. Yeah, so the, the the hillbillies start fighting amongst each other, and and they, they they just start losing their mind. And some of them they just start walking. They just start pulling their donkey or riding their donkey, and they just don't care if they die in the process. Like they they, they have one focus in life, which is to get the, these grains to where it is they need to get them. So similar to the Eddie Willers scene, there's just this kind of uh, this theme of determination. Uh, even if a little bit sort of detached from the facts on the ground shows the perseverance um, and the, the need for a human being to kind of have a purpose and to, and to, and to strive for something uh, and how um, irrationality and force around you um, gets in the, gets in the way of that. And that's very tragic. So that, so that's kind of like a, both a positive and a negative sort of scene or number of scenes. Right there. So the theme of the scene you described could be don't let it go. And we see it many times in the, in the book. Another very beautiful moment is when the Trump, Douglas is the Trump, who is about to jump from the train. He, he has one bag with, with all his belongings, which is probably nothing. But 
he holds it before he jumps from the train and Dagny sees some dignity in it and says, no, 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 don't jump. Come in my wagon and she offers him a, a nice dinner. This is the answer to the people who have no idea about Ayn Rand. Like, oh, Ayn Rand hated the poor. No, the heroine literally saves someone from jumping out of the train and then offers him a dinner uh, in her private uh, in her private coach because she sees something, she sees the dignity and she sees the 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 struggle against the suffering in in this uh, in this poor guy. So yeah, don't let it go is the theme which is uh, throughout the book. Right. That is a theme. Uh, now, who is Tony? Because people in the chat are talking about Tony. Do you remember who that is? Tony who? Oh, the wet nurse. Yeah. So oh, if yeah. I had to pick uh, the most painful scene, it wouldn't be the train accident because it has some very, very, very interesting uh, stuff. The two most painful scenes are the death of uh, James Ta of uh, Cheryl Taggart. And again, Ayn Rand so beautiful says she runs to her death like something, she puts it something like an, an animal who runs for its life. So she runs for her life, jumping to her death, basically. Again, what a brilliant piece of writing. And also the last moments, the last painful hours of the wet nurse, who we've had a U-turn of character, and he 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 goes after values, he didn't believe in values, but now he gives this struggle to warn Hank and to show him that his admiration and their love and Hank in a way treats him as a son and uh, it's it's hard uh, it's heartbreaking it's one of the most difficult scenes to read in the book mm -hmm. uh, you know so people like Jordan Peterson have uh, sort of disparaged Rand's novels and saying like there's good guys and bad guys and like you know who's gonna win or like or it's too simple um, so if, if there is kind of a divide between the characters in Atlas Shrugged, it's like the people who think and want, like people who think and are driven towards some type of val selfish value versus the people who don't. So it's not like the businessmen are good and the government are bad, like so many people today want to draw it or vice versa. It's like the people who are, to the extent people are thinking and coherent and focused, uh, they are like on the good side of the story. And so someone like the wet nurse sort of maybe starts off kind of thoughtless and, and kind of ends up finding some honor throughout the novel. Whereas someone like Cuffy Meigs, if I'm pronouncing that, Cuffy Meigs. Cuffy he's, Meigs, yeah. He's, he's just kind of a, a schnook. He's just kind of like a, a thoughtless bureaucrat from, you know, from his appearance to his departure. Um, and, you know, various cronies like uh, Oren Boyle, right? He's a businessman, but he's a, but he's a, again, he's, he's a schnooky one. <laughs> I know you guys read Goosebumps, but do, do you have the word schnooky in, uh, in Greece? Uh, not really, because I'm not sure uh, what exactly it, uh, it means. Uh, when it comes, though, to character, uh, to character uh, development, there is an excellent chapter in this book, Rob, edited by Robert Mayhew, Aces on Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, which is uh, about the, the road that Dagny and Hank get. I think it's called uh, something, something. Uh, where is it? Uh, discovering Atl Atlantis, Atlas Rock's demonstration of a new moral philosophy. And it talks about how uh, Reardon and Dagny get uh, through this... Uh, how Reardon gets liberated from his guilt, but also how Dagny 
gets to actually join the strike. So how can it be that characters are flat if characters throughout the throughout the novel change and see things differently? And as Zizek understands, but Peterson doesn't understand, which is probably why Zizek beat Peterson in that debate, the main contrast, the main conflict in Atlas Shrugged is not between good guys and bad guys. It's between gold and Dagny. It's between the people who give their sanction to the, quote, system. Without them, the system will collapse. And between the people who withdraw that sanction. So Jordan Peterson needs to do more work when it comes to understanding Atlas Shrugged. Reading it could be a good start or rereading it. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Peterson, uh, I wish he was more selfish. You know, I wish he wanted more for himself if he was more. Uh, I mean, he's a very curious thinker, but uh, it seems like he's pretty much ha- made up his mind that happiness is trivial. And that's uh, that's not good enough for me. Uh, Jonathan Honig with 199. Thank you for that. Those are all the super chats. And I think we've gone through more than our three scenes. So uh, I guess we can wind it down. Coming up at 8 p.m. UK time. It's James Valiant and Robert Nasser continue. Okay, thank. This is why we need to get English speakers as as producers. He's. I'm going to read this exactly as it says. James Valiant and Robert Nasser with continue their discussion. Okay, I think he meant to say will continue. So it's it's more of a typo, less of an English as a second language uh, problem. They will continue their discussion on Leonard Peikoff's keeping it real. Today's topic is philosophy or art. Which came first? That's a good question. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Thank you all for joining us today. What a wonderful uh, show and what a wonderful week of broadcasting. We'll be back here next week. And I think I'm actually going to do a live event in London a week from Monday, I think. Yeah, sounds about right. London, good day, mate. That should be fun. Maybe you got something coming up too, but uh, I'll let you announce it when you're ready. If there is something to announce, never mind then. I'm getting a head shake. All right. Thank you all for joining us today and stay tuned for all types of announcements. Uh, See you back here next week for the Daily Objective. Thank you, Nikos. Thank you all. And goodbye.